Blog Talk Radio. Identity of an African. 
Charles Collingsworth at the White House in Washington, D.C. For many of you, this will be your first visit to this historical landmark. Our tour through these hallowed halls will be conducted by the First Lady. Father, and your white great-grandfather sold 
killed my great-grandfather and your white-grandfather raped my grandmother and your father stole, cheated, lied, and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them, and we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood rushes through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave. Rewind and review, but the message is clear and it 
to help them move down, move forward within their lives. As you know, Africa on the Moon is an international Pan-African radio talk show that, speak, that seeks to speak to the powerful and the powerless. We'd like to welcome you on a weekly basis to come and share your experiences, your struggles, your movements, so we can get a better understanding understanding collectively on how to move our movements forward, but more importantly, how to move humanity forward. This is what we do on Africa on the Moon. We may not give you what you want, but we do the best to give you what you need. We will give you our best. We will do our best because you are the best. You deserve the best. We'd like to warn all our listeners who listen to this program that, again, there's a continued struggle to allow this program to function technically the way it should be, but there are some possibilities of problems, interruptions, distractions. You say, you, you know, you can name it. It is out of our control according to this program, platform, Log Talk Radio is communicating with us that they are having technical and difficult difficult problems with live podcasts as well as their engineer engineers supposed to be working on it. So bear with us. We don't control this technology, but we use as much as we can to, help, to try to help make investment. So you're listening to Africa on the Moon. I'm your host, Brother Africa. Our political panelists and analysts, they are in the seat and they're going to take the heat. As they define it, they're going to stand behind it. And we invite you to call in and participate. And you can do that by dialing in at 323-679-0841. Or you can go to Blog Talk Radio and type in Africa dash on dash the dash move and bring it to the program. One of the things we'd like to say at this point in time for those who are listening, that Africa on the Move is working on many projects and issues within our Pan-African community that we do and need your support. If you'd like to support us, please send your contribution and donation by Cash App to dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. All contributions are welcome and needed, and we thank you for your support. So let's get started with this party. We first will introduce to you our political panelists and analysts for today's program, which also the theme is events and struggles of year 2023. Any events, struggles, or lessons you have learned for 2023 that you'd like to share with our listening world, please call in and do so. This is our last program for this year, and we would like to get you some kind of summary or visit some of the events or lessons that we have learned. 
during this year, 2023. And if you'd like to share what you have planned in 24, that is welcome as well. So let's get started with this party by introducing Al, the political panelist and analyst for today's program. We first will bring in Brother Haki. He's a member of the African Awareness Association, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Haki. Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamafi Mashoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness, and of course, Brother Africa, you know my thing is institution building. But prior to talking about institutions, one of the things I think we have to be intimately aware of is this whole notion in terms of forever wars that are taking place in the society. Uh, interestingly enough, when we talk about the needs of capitalism, we can't exclude the need for war. Now, these wars that are being executed are not just against foreign countries, but also right, right inside the borders of North America. So when we talk about necessity in terms of war as related to capitalism, then we have to be intimately aware that this is a fact of life, and these wars does have a very debilitating impact on the overall U.S. economy, and we shouldn't lose sight of that. But having said that, Brother Africa, I want you to check this out. Now, U.S. capitalism pension for war is no exaggeration. Like any war, elimination of enemies is the objective. While these wars range from the covert to the overt, capitalism wars consistently sacrifice economic growth for political control, resulting in inequality and marginalization of entire states. This propensity to wage war is universal, which includes economic wars against its allies, utilizing mandates like sanctions, economic manipulation, and monetary policy, forcing Western states to forego their own economic interests, instead of carrying out the interests of U.S. policy. Now, of course, given the short-term planning of capitalism, and the instability it engenders, war becomes a prerequisite. Drive toward war is exacerbated by countries throughout the world advocating for real democracy, which is within, within itself a threat to capitalism's control. Movements to ex exercise Western or U.S. parasitic relationships with the global South have resulted in repudiation of the U.S. global order, resulting in entrenched poverty and marginalization of the global South. In response to global exploitations, Federation of states are, are evolving specifically to end the extraction of their raw resources, cheaply, foreign exchange, and devaluation of their currencies. Notably, among this group is the New Partnership for Africa's Development, consisting of Ethiopia, Djibouti, and Eritrea, and the new alliance of the Sahel states, which includes Burkina Faso, Mali, and Nigeria. In order for these states to sustain continuation or momentum, strategic imperative maintains realization of near colonial projects must be tackled. Chief among these concerns are the value of African currencies and the threats posed by external and internal groups committed to the status quo. Committed to, committed to establishing investments, banks committed to stabilizing their currency is clearly a sound strategy, but the realization the role of liberation is a difficult one is an indication of political clarity. Mindful critiques out of the West exposed its displeasure with the BRICS nation's economic success. The supposition is clear. The West would not tolerate a liberated global South, particularly Africa. In this regard, self-defense among African states must be a priority. The aforementioned African federations have not only made collective self-defense against Western aggression a priority, but have served as a catalyst, alerting other states in Africa the process of African liberation must prepare for the inevitable, for the inevitable attacks from the West, including military attacks from Western states 
already operating inside of Africa. By highlighting unpleasant truths, such African federations have been successful in stimulating forward thinking among many African leaders. As a result of the heeding the call to expect an elder Western military response to, to prevent an empowered Africa, 44% of all weapons procured by African leaders or states comes from Russia, while 24% or a 60% decline comes from the U.S. Lessening dependency on U.S. armed imports also lessens the ability of the U.S. to control ammunition supplies, henceforth controlling the extent African states can defend themselves. Now, without doubt, the effectiveness of maintaining the U.S. hegemony lies in the ability to undermine Africa's economy using strikes on and off the field of battle. The emergence of BRICS nations' economic status has threatened their control. BRICS currently control over 32% of global GDP, while Western G7 states only control 30% of global GDP, and that number is falling. Declines of G7 GDP levels or economic is principally the result of two factors. One, weaponization of the dollar, and two, finalization of the U.S. economy. Weaponization of the dollar means the dollar must be used to benefit only the U.S. economy. When the U.S. coerced Europe's central banks to purchase more dollars, the result was the value of Europe's currencies, relative dollars, resulting in more debt and inflationary pressures to, to Europe. The second point, finalization of the U.S. economy puts more money in the hands of the wealthy, but at the expense of the global economy. By starving the U.S. economy and money flowing through the system, the price of assets increases. Assets like property, houses, stocks, and bonds increases. With the increase in asset prices comes a declining economy. As a result of the declining economy, financial instruments, stocks and bonds particularly, must offer higher yields or payouts to attract investors. In such situations offering higher yields is rejected, the ability to attract investors decreases, ensuring U.S. and international investors' economic losses. In the advent of U.S. stock value declines, the only alternative on the investors is investment in European stocks. However, such investment in the European stock market will run counter to Bretton Woods Accord, which, which, which dollar is ordained to be the only currency providing liquidity for the global financial system. Such a threat <clears throat> emanating out of, out of Europe likely will be taken seriously by the U.S. in which demands for European currencies to adjust the value of their currencies either to decrease or increase the value to accommodate U.S. rules-based order and show the dollar supremacy. If the decision is made, European currencies must strengthen. It may, be, may give a boost to the domestic economy, but makes these imports more expensive, which benefits U.S. imports. On the other hand, a weakening European currency will make exports cheaper, but will spur inflation to the business cycle, undermining economic growth, again to the benefit of the U.S. rules-based order, ensuring dollar supremacy. Expressed from a different perspective, when the Bank of England strengthened the currency against the U.S. dollar recently, such a move will likely not contain inflation, but more likely to spur the, the purchase of dollars since relative low value of dollars will not affect the value of the British pound. Given the direct rejection of the dollar as reserve currency by many powerful states, such purchases by U.K. of dollars will be a boost to the U.S. dollar's longevity and to which U.S. imperialism benefits. Now, without doubt, dollar supremacy will not, be, will not be beneficial to European states' economies, but it will ensure the continuation of U.S. wars and the benefit to Western imperialism. Of course, the economic war against Europe will, will be conducted behind closed doors, but the war waged against U.S. citizens exists for all to see. For example, consumerism, representing 67% of U.S. GDP, is continually sacrificed at the expense of the real economy. Rather than putting money into the pockets of the masses to stimulate the economy, Ingenious methods are used to proliferate poverty. 
transfer payments or government assistance is often found upon, but the biggest recipient of government assistance is the wealthy. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, for every $1 earned by the poor, they earn 27 cents from government services. However, for the wealthy, earning $207,000 and above, for every 37 cents are earned, they get $1 from the government in terms of government services. And the impacts are palatable. Without necessary liquidity or money reserves flowing through the financial system via consumer savings, the only way for government to recoup needed revenues is high asset prices and taxes imposed on the poor. The impact is disastrous. In the U.S., commercial real estate has, an, has outperformed the S&P 500 index over the last 25 years. Since S&P 500 measures economic output of 500 of the largest U.S. corporations, it can be concluded over-concentration of wealth to the rich is not working well, despite the declared war on the poor limiting the economy. Of course, there are those who refute any notion of a war against the poor. They argue, currently, households are sitting on 18 trillion in liquid assets. In other words, wealth in the U.S. is officially allocated for economic expansion. Putting aside the fact that the U.S. economy is faltering, the largest six banks in the U.S. have deposits between seven and eight trillion dollars. Of all the bank deposits of the 4,715 banks in the U.S., total deposits have declined from 19.7 trillion from a year ago to just 18.6 trillion today. If these numbers are legitimate, declining averages mandate the Treasury enact economic policy to mandate major banks, 250 of them, with, with 11.8 million in deposits, purchase Treasury bonds to ensure the banks have sufficient reserves to pay investors or customers who may close their accounts. Ironically, the economic state of banks is so unstable, the Treasury will accept bank coupons for Treasuries and add value to those coupons, ensuring the money reserves of banks increase despite high inflation and tough economic times. And the question at hand, when has government ever sacrificed capitalist principles of the marketplace, given free money when benefits of doing so are questionable? Nothing like this has ever happened for the poor people. As for the war on the poor people, I rest my case. And I close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Next, we'll make our transition to Brother Anthony, and we'll welcome him to Africa on the Move. He is a member and representative of the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Welcome, Brother Anthony. Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, uh, the fellow panelists and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And from Brother Anthony, we will go to Brother Moses, who is a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. We would like to welcome him to Africa on the moon. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. And I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism, the father of scientific socialism, during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism 
the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faithful government. Mouse tongue is his messenger. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I believe women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And the struggle continues to be to unite the many, to defeat the few. And it's noteworthy in this burning question of the hour in the world today is the nation question, because Israel is saying that they are a nation when they are basically a ghetto, and they're building a ghetto, calling it a nation. And so we have to have a concrete analysis, a concrete condition, which is the life and soul of Marxism. And so we have to apply Marxism and dialectic historical materialism to the concrete situation we're faced with here. A nation is not a race, but a historically evolved community of people on a definite land. Family is the foundation of a nation, for it is the interrelatedness of the community in a common economic bond during the epoch of capitalism from which it arises. Obviously, a nation has classes. My position is that Malcolm X was correct in defining the nation to which Negroes belong as Afro-America. Chairman Mao referred to the Afro-American people's struggle. As stated, a nation is not a race. Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton are part of the Afro-American nation of the Black Belt South. Obama represents the first African-American to become president. He is a black American of the Afro-American nation. And we need to be clear about what a nation is and and um, and not use the term loosely because there's no time for liberalism and confusion. We need to build on a strong, solid foundation, and that's what Marxism, Leninism, Mao Zedong is all about. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. I must say you have gave us a a mouthful to discuss, but we're not going to entertain it today. But we will put your presentation on the agenda for the millions. And to our listening audience, we have invited our friends, our foes, any members and movements who would like to share with us about what's going on in our world, our moving, uh, some significant events that took place in this year, 2023. So if you have called and you're on our board, and you would like to participate, just please hit one. If you would like to participate and you have called in and you're on that board now, please hit one if you would like to participate. If you don't hit one, we don't know if you ask for to listen or to participate. So you're asking everyone who have called in and listened to the program, if you would like to be an active participant, just hit one whenever you get ready. So we thank you for listening to After on the Moon. So at, at this point in time, okay, we have a guest, one of the participants would like to participate. Carla, we can call out your last four numbers. Introduce yourself. If you're part of the movement, introduce your movement. And right now, we just want you to introduce yourself. This is the introductory phase of our program. So Carla, we're going to bring you in at 7517-7517. Welcome to Africa on the Move. Introduce yourself, please. Yeah. Yes, Paul, seven five one seven. The mic is yours. Introduce yourself. Hello? Yes, Paul, the mic is yours. Introduce yourself. 
Yes, my name is Mark Friedman. I'm active with the Los Angeles Hands-Off Cuba Committee, which is a coalition of 50 unions and organizations dedicated to ending the blockade of Cuba. And I know African Awareness, African People's Socialist Party, All African People's Revolutionary Party, and many other progressive organizations oppose the horrendous, illegal, and unjust blockade of Cuba. Uh, this year, we have made advances in winning new support to end the blockade. Uh, we take delegations to Cuba, and if anyone is on this line who's interested in going with us, this is a delegation of activists, of union and youth activists, um, and we will be, I know, already taking leaders of the Amazon Labor Union, the African People's Socialist Party, La Raza Educators, uh, various local unions. Um, please contact us. Uh, we can be contacted at lahandsoffcubacommittee.com. Um, thank you very much. I've met some terrific folks from African Awareness in Cuba and hope to meet you again there this May Day. Hello, Mark. We thank you for your participation. Yeah. We invite you to stay on the program because we'd like to hear your perspectives on what's going on in your world in the community, as well as some of the significant events that took place in 2003 based upon your perspective. So you're welcome. We'd like to have you, and thank you for calling in. And, yes, for those who don't know Mark, I had the privilege to meet him in Cuba last year for the first time and our exchanges and our friendship and solidarity is one that needs to be developed and cherished. So, Mark, we thank you for calling in. Just hold on, and we'll go down the agenda, okay? Yes, you. and if we can help your organization in L.A. or San Diego or Phoenix or Cleveland, where we have affiliated groups of young activists, please be in contact. We would like to support you. Okay, we'll do that. So, Mark, we're going to continue with the program. Right now, what we're going to do, we want everybody to um, take a break. We're going to take a break. We're going to play some music, music, revolution music, revolution culture break. And when we come back, we will ask everyone who is on this platform to talk about what's going on in their world and the community. We'll be right here or right back, as they said. This is Brother Africa. You listen to... Africa on the moon. We'll be right back. Let's take a rubber stair culture break. We'll be right back.
We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. I'm your host, Buffalo Africa. We must remind you that Africa on the Moon is a community project under the banner and guidance of the African Awareness Association. All of the political panelists and analysts and guests who may appear on the show will be speaking on their perspectives, and each one is an independent um, analyst. We also want to encourage everybody who listens to this program, if you'd like to support this program, African Awareness Association is operating on a, or operating with a special program that is going to be taking place, you know, hopefully in the near future and doing some work concretely in West Africa to need your support. If you're interested in finding out how you can support us, you can email us at africaonthemove2 at gmail.com or send your blessings to us by cash out with dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. We will greatly appreciate it. So right now, we're going to get move on to our next segment, what's going on in your world and the community. We're going to ask each of our panelists, analysts, and guests to give us, you know, what's going on in your world and what's going on in your community. We'll start off with Brother Haki. Brother Haki, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, well, Brother Africa, this question in terms of, you know, the function of the Bill of Rights in society, we're often under the illusion, in fact, that we have fundamental rights. But, in fact, when you really diagnose the Constitution, a lot of these rights we presume to have are not, uh, uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't appear to be uh, uh, rights at all. Uh, one of the things is I think that when you talk about in terms of the pursuit of rights, Specifically, when you talk about communities organizing, trying to achieve certain rights, often these these measures are disqualified by the courts for various reasons. And so, a lot of that has to do with, in fact, in terms of just you know uh, the this, um, this this notion in terms of uh, being the right being somewhat of a facade. But anything about Africa, I wrote this, so I, I think that sort of about by clarity in terms of question in terms of. You know what is what is the Bill of Rights and just what is justice in American society and what does that really mean? Now, in the year 2021, New Yorkers, rural New York, proved a ballot measure to amend state constitution, solidifying their right to clean air, water, in a healthy environment. The measure centers around exposure to landfills, smells, and noxious odors impact on human health. In addition, the measure challenges the dissemination of carbon and methane gases that contribute to global temperature change. The measure is being contested by both the state and the private owners as to any legal significance. Now, questioning legal significance of, of the people's right to environmental justice seems undemocratic, but the reality is the U.S. Constitution is intentionally, intentionally vague as to who benefits from, from sovereignty of law, government or the people. Now, according to legal scholars, sovereignty or the final authority of law is based upon the least perception of how government should operate. If law is perceived as progressive government, or participate with the tacit cooperation of people with the state, government decisions are final. If laws received as liberal government guided by true liberty and equality, decisions made by people are final. In the U.S., people are not sovereign, and any legal decisions made by courts more than likely will not reflect the interests of people unless compelling reasons exist greatly benefiting the state. In other words, because the U.S. is a republic where the wealthy benefits, not a democracy, it is unlikely the Green Amendment passed in New York State would be allowed to stand. More than likely, the courts will find a way to disqualify the citizens' complaints. 
Now, as usual, over a two-year period, Monroe County Judge John Ark came up with an ingenious legal strategy uh, to dismiss potential defendants by tossing out two to three defendants named by plaintiffs to ensure the weakening of the Green Amendment. The weakening of the complaints started after passage of the Green Amendment where plaintiffs, the citizens, sued the private owners, waste management, the city of New York, and the state of New York. Judge Ark ruled the case against waste management, the private owner, could not be sued under rights ordained in the U.S. Constitution pertaining to rights, liberty, and pursuit of justice for the wealthy. Plaintiffs' claims were also dismissed against New York City because New York City alleged it was only a customer of waste management, even though New York City built a rail line to the landfill in 2015, a distance over 335 miles. Judge Arkin's rulings, in line with previous, previous legal precedent, intimated the plaintiffs' claims' on, only legitimacy lies with the claims against the state, not private owners. The judge's ruling effectively left the state to fend for itself. However, like all systems, a backup plan was shortly implemented to ensure the sovereignty of the state would be protected and the will of the citizens crushed. When on a legal suit, State Attorney General Letitia James argued, quote, the Green Amendment does not impose specific obligations on the state, and it does not empower courts to compare government agencies to take particular enforcement decisions, end quote. Plainly stated, the state's attorney general seemed optimistic how courts would strike down the legal suit with the understanding the state's resources and expertise likely will over, overwhelm the plaintiff's case. Even a judge ruling <coughs> places the burden of proof on the state to prove the state has not imposed has not imposed additional burdens on the citizens. The grounds for the state appeal would impose hardships on the plaintiffs. While such hardships clearly express themselves in monetary value, such hardships reside within the tent of law itself. Part of law's declaration is to determine the extent environment degradation has occurred as it pertains to constitutional requirements. That in itself is very subjective. This level of subjectivity is elevated when states are called upon to estimate the effectiveness of complying with court orders with no clear precedent exists determining the effectiveness of remaining inside the court's ruling or violating the court's order. The bottom line is the will of the citizens negated by a constitutional process that values the concerns of the welfare of all others. It has to be asked, if ownership is a tantamount to control and the U.S. Constitution maximizes the level of control, why would the well-being of those without control be considered? Global temperature extremes will continue to impact the powerless, those without control. Those with control of the means to protect themselves from temperature extremes and those likely wealthy owners of landfills, they can protect themselves. Constitutional prerogative that values wealth attainment at any cost as the only measurement of human life is likely to persist in such views. The magnitude of such views would expand exponentially with global temperature change, culminating in more harm to the powerless or those who well control, who must endure the horrendous climatic impact sustained by both an economic system and political system that's indifferent to human suffering. Without illegal balance regulating the benefits of the powerful and the powerless alike, ecological justice is simply an impossibility, and the Bill of Rights is simply a cruel joke. And with that, Brother Africa, I conclude. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Next, we make our transition to Brother Anthony. What's going on in your world and the community? Uh, uh, what's going on in my world and community is that the Palestinian struggle against Zionism is intensified the class struggle within the African community. Uh, uh, what um, what I mean by that is that 
the Palestinian struggle against Zionism has uh, has further clarified <clears throat> um, which side the petty bourgeoisie is on. They're on the side of the Zionist forces uh, that control uh, Palestine right now. And, uh, and uh, whereas the masses of struggling working people are 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 are, are supportive of uh, the Palestinians, and uh, and uh, that has intensified the struggle in uh, the class struggle in the African community because those that. Um, that have a few crumbs from the master's table are 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 siding with the Zionists, whereas those that uh, own only their labor are siding with the Palestinians, and uh, and that uh, class struggle has intensified within the African community. And, uh, you know, that's uh, pretty much uh, a sum of what's going on in my world and community. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Next, we'll move to Brother Moses. What's going on in your world and the community? Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. Uh, I think, you know, Brother Anthony is correct, uh, the situation is intensified. The class struggle is intensified, and the world movement towards socialism and communism has intensified. The bourgeoisie of the of the world, the international bourgeoisie, and uh, knows internationalism on that level, whereas the working class must have solidarity among the workers, and we must stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people and um, fight off all t- attempts at, at uh, dominating them with this racist apartheid state that must go like South Africa went. It must go. And um, that's the real fundamental burning question of the hour, I think. Uh, meanwhile, um, this Saturday, the 13th of January, Saturday the 13th of January, 1 p.m., 1600 Constitution Avenue on the Mall. There will be a demonstration in support of the Palestinians and to stop the the Israeli war machine, U.S. Israeli war machine, and um, it would be in support of the Palestinian people and this, especially Gaza. And um, that will be the 1 p.m. the 13th, Saturday, January, on the Mall, 1 p.m. Be there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, um, the big concern is the genocide in Gaza and Palestine. Um, Israel being the last colonial settler state, we have seen annihilation on planet Earth as never seen before but in an increasingly totalitarian 
uh, development uh, societies, people are ignoring it. And it shocks me at the behavior of the young people in our culture that they see no problem with the annihilation of seven or 8,000 children with tons of women and with the uh, uh, the murderous behavior of Israel and the fact that uh, the Palestinians have no military, so this is not a war, just an out-and-out genocide. One of the things I found most interesting uh, was the fact that Gaza, the two-and-a-half million people per capita, had more hospitals than Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States of America. So there are numerous things that are of concern, as well as uh, the continued conflict uh, between Russia and the state of the Ukraine. Thank you so much for having me this evening. I'm Eleanor Johnson, and uh, thank you, Brother Africa, for allowing me to participate in this evening's forum. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break. And when we come back, we're going to really get into our theme today, which is events and struggles of year 2023. If you listen to this program, if you'd like to participate, feel free to call in at 323-679-0841. And you can share with us. What are some significant events and struggles? We're in your movement, we're in your civic organization, or just we're in your life that took place this past year, and maybe what lessons have you learned from it? We will discuss those events and struggles and more when we return from Africa on the Moon. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer. To give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, cause Palestine Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine 
needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race and creed, we need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Thank you. Chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah, to last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Pellerino, a bloodline across the waters, from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. 
and each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. When the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be. And made it through my journey, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Africa on the Moon. This is the 31st day of December 2023. This is the last day of the New Year 2023. We're about to entertain our theme tonight, which is Events and Struggles of the Year 2023. Before we go there, I'd like to make a couple of announcements and make a statement. First, I would like to remind everybody that on this particular day in, 19, in 1962, on this particular day in 1962, Belma asked Fannie Lou Hayden demonstrate the right to register to vote in Indianapolis, Mississippi, as well as on this date, in 1969, the value of African Nazis took place in Baton Rouge. Those are two significant dates where people continue to show resistance against their oppression. And we should always remember our people history. Also, I'd like to remind everybody on this platform, Africa on the Move, 
They're open to anybody with goodwill, people and movements who would like to express their thoughts. But we must be respectful that even if we have discussions and thoughts may not agree with our understanding, there's a way in we can struggle together and come out and arrive at the truth. One of the things I used to always tell my students is that one of the things about struggle is that you must be principled and to, and to by being principled, the issue is not why you see things differently. The issue is not that you see things differently, but you come to learn to understand why you see them differently. So here on Africa on the Moon, we think it's a good platform, it's a principal platform to be open to all discussions and ideas and debate them out because through this particular struggle, at some point in time, we can't all arrive at the truth, and we know that it, that the truth will set us free. So making that little note at this point in time, what we're going to do is right now make our transition to our theme today, events and struggles. A year 2023. What events or struggles you have viewed as being significant? What lessons have you learned from it? As well as, you know, what are your future plans for the year 2024? So at this point in time, we'll open the mic up to Dr. High King. You can begin in terms of your critique of the year 2023. Dr. High King, the mic is yours. Yeah, Brother Africa. Uh, a couple of things stand out for me for the for the year 2023. Uh, one is the treatment of the horrendous treatment of the Palestinian people, of course. And secondly, uh, the kind of uh, gentle treatment uh, former President Trump has been receiving from people in positions of power. But I think just in terms of being more problematic, I think this question in terms of Trump's, you know, uh, gentle treatment at the hands of the power elite I find particularly problematic. Uh, you know, now we understand when we look in terms of the charges confronting Trump, uh, clearly these are very, very serious charges. Now, in Washington, D.C., he faces four felony counts for efforts to overturn the 2020 election. In Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia specifically, he faces 13 felony counts for his election interference in that state in terms of trying to co-opt the, uh, or corrupt the political process. In New York, he faces 34 felony counts in connection with hush money payments to a porn star. In Florida, he faces 40 felony counts for hoarding classified documents after he left office and impeding the government's efforts to retrieve those documents. Those are very serious allegations, and the mere fact that he's being treated with kid gloves, I, I find very, very problematic. One of the things that we have to be very, very clear on, if we're going to say that, in fact, that this is a representative democracy, uh, whatever that means, if we're going to say it's a representative democracy, then certainly the kind of people who represent, quote-unquote, their democracy it's of immense importance. And the mere fact that you have one of the ruling class elites, one of those who at least proclaim themselves to be, you know, among the elites in terms of ruling, ruling establishment, you have this guy, uh, you know, uh, committing these heinous crimes as opposed to being punished, I mean, uh, very diligently. Uh, people just the power actually giving him a pass. And here recently you have a situation where the Supreme Court actually turned around and made it possible for him to run in the, in the 2024 election by actually postponing, you know, uh, when, these, when these cases can come to trial. And in addition to that, I think one of the things I also find problem, in addition, I think I find problematic is the fact that a lot of the prosecutors, you know, uh, to some extent I do realize their hands are tied, but clearly in terms of, I don't get a sense that in terms of the kind of, um, a, a kind of desperation, a kind of, uh, determination in terms of bringing these, these, 
this 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 this, this individual to trial. I get a, I get a sense that they are actually um, uh, responding to to pressures, you know, among you know some very very powerful individuals in society. In that regard, I think that they're very hesitant in terms of actually pursuing these charges with the kind of vigor. I think they should pursue these charges with. And that doesn't negate the fact that the Supreme, the the, the, the not that the, uh, the the appellate courts, uh, gave him a path in terms of you know making sure that uh, you know that these these cases can come up after the after the the, the elections. Uh, I do understand that, but I think that just in terms of the kind of um, determination uh, or kind of resolve in terms of bringing this guy to to justice, I just don't get a sense that that's really that's really present here. I think I get a sense that more is, is more essential. Uh, you know, prosecutors, you know, right in their time, you know, simply attempting to appease the powers that be in terms of not really adequately, you know, uh, pushing the case in terms of why this criminal really should be charged, you know, with, with, you know, with, these, with these multitude of crimes that he's uh, confessed uh, to committing. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, so I think that this, in terms of just being problematic, it doesn't negate what's happening in terms of the Palestinian people because that's a deeply offensive and deeply horrific. Uh, but I think just in terms of globally, I think that when you talk about a country uh, with this kind of immense wealth uh, and you talk about in terms of essential ways institutions are corrupted, then not only you talk about in terms of the negative impact in terms of the people who reside within and borders of North America, but potentially you talk about a precedent being established around the world which is not good for the world uh, political body uh, at all. And so clearly, uh, I think that just from, a, just from a much broader perspective in terms of atrociousness, I think we have to acknowledge, you know, that Trump is doing is, uh, is, is beyond the pale. And certainly, you know, uh, a, a more immediate trial is, 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 is deemed necessary in terms of confronting, you know, these, 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 these cases Against, against against an individual who, by his own mission, has stated that a lot of these things he's actually done. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, so for me, I think that this question in terms of Trump, in terms of his, his ability to escape justice, I think for me, I find that extremely uh, uh, unfortunate, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Brother Anthony, your perspective, your perspective is a reflection of the year 2023. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, I think uh, the Palestinian uh, Zionist conflict uh, stands out. Also, uh, uh, also in addition, uh, the continuing violence per, uh, perpetrated against Africans by uh by the police. I would uh I I, I would say that's uh, uh and that's primarily a problem in uh in the African diaspora but uh uh you know it, it, it's a serious problem inside the US and uh let's see and i would uh add uh the continuing uh use of blockades against uh us political opponents uh such as cuba zimbabwe uh re- 
Eritrea and other countries. Uh, and it seems to uh, be perpetrated against countries in the Southern Hemisphere, such as Africa and Central and South America. Uh, those, in my mind, are the, uh, are the standout events of 2023. Hey, Brother Anthony, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know if you're comfortable with, but are you expecting, or have you had a recent birthday in the past week or so, or is it today? When is your birthday? Today. Oh, you thought I forgot about that, didn't you? You won't have said nothing. That's a significant event. And at this point in time, Africa on the moon would like to make a pause, take a pause, and we would like to present this to you on your birthday. Thank you very much uh, uh, for for acknowledging my birthday. I didn't. Uh, I, I I I mean um, I mean there there are a lot more important things in the world going on. That's why I didn't make a big deal of it earlier. No, brother, you're a freedom fighter. You've made a conscious choice to fight for your people, humanity. That they should always be acknowledged for. for for all freedom fighters. So, you know, we'd like to thank you. Thank you for your contribution in the past and the present. And Brother Anthony, hopefully if anything we can do in the near future to make you have a better 2024 year, we're going to try to do that. So we just want to put you on notice. We have not forgotten you and your work, and we greatly thank you, and we definitely like to say happy birthday. Thank you, Brother Anthony. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thanks. This point in time, we're going to continue to move forward. We're going to Brother Moses on events and struggles of this of the year 2023 and lessons he, he has learned and would like to share with us. So, yo, 
Reflection of the year 2023, Brother Moses, the mic is yours. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. And um, certainly we want to recognize the internal contradictions within the U.S. and the government and the situation within the revolutionary situation here in the USA. Um, um, Donald Trump being the focus of fascism, the face of fascism, uh, just like Hitler was the face of fascism, and he had a lot of support, and um, and he didn't do he couldn't do anything by himself. He had to have a lot of support, and um, and so Donald Trump, you know, said he could kill somebody in New, in the middle of New York and get away with it. He can start a riot and insurrection and get away with it. And there's a, the fact that the the Congress, the Congress has been complicit with him that basically they, they impeached him but did not did not convict him. That that that's that is the first and foremost contradiction that we are faced with. That we have a renegade, no no good Congress that um is complicit with this fascist. And basically they give lip service lip service against him. But uh the bottom line is he has he's he's running around free, and um, and you know we have we have a struggle. Those who are democratic minded democracy, who's struggling for democracy, the political struggle, we have to have struggle on all fronts: the political, the economic, and the theoretical. And the political struggle, the struggle for democracy, the new democracy, and um, we have to fight on all fronts. Everywhere there's injustice and. Uh, contradiction in the law we must we just stand for justice and truth and so you know this struggle continues um in meanwhile the international working class is on the move the third world is on the move especially in Burkina Bissau and uh, Niger and Mali um in terms of pan-Africanism and the struggle for scientific socialism within the borders of Africa, um, that certainly uh, there have been advancements. Um, I, I don't know that we have the consciousness. The people, for me, the vulgar free thinking Philistines, as, as Lenin pointed out, you know, independent of Marx, independent of Engels, independent of Lenin, independent of Stalin, independent of Mao, just putting out information with no and refuse to recognize the ideological leadership of the working class and they point people to the in the direction of what needs to be done and to have a solid uh, unity of the working class around contradictions of the world which have been pointed out and, and discussed and debated and clarified by these people, revolutionaries. And we must understand the world the way they saw it so that we can understand what we need to be doing in the future. And so, anyway, I am I think, you know, there's been a lot done in 2023, and a lot more will be done in 2024, and starting on January 13th. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. We now will go to Sister Eleanor. Your reflection of the year 2023, Sister Eleanor. Sorry, I didn't hear you, Brother Africa. What did you say? 
Sister Eleanor, your reflection of the year 2023. Well, the year 2023 was a horrific situation in the United States. Um, As Brother Moses spoke about the atrocity in the United States with authoritarianism taking over and the lack of um, true press has been a phenomenal thing. You saw Donald Trump begin to literally use phrases and terms that Adolf Hitler used. With elections in 2023 in South America and Colombia, you saw a candidate actually call Hitler the greatest mind of the 20th century. You continue to see authoritarianism advance throughout the world, not only in the United States. But the real atrocity is the genocidal war, the genocide in Israel. It is not a war, and it's so difficult to to maintain your objectivity because daily we are bombarded propaganda about Hamas and Israel. Well, the Palestinian people who are losing their lives may have another view. And uh, there is recently a video put out by a young woman, uh, Nahal El-Assad, A-S-S-A-R, on why the global north, why it's important to the global north that the global south loses its sovereignty. Sovereignty. And one of the things I found interesting about the video was uh, she looks at the Palestinian genocide through an idealistic lens, you know, employed by the Zionist state, for example, and also through the materialistic lens. And that's how she really bases the struggle of the Palestinian people. And the reality is that the weaponry and the technology that's being used against the Palestinians will be, is being used and will continue to be used on freedom-loving people around the world, as we saw during the election in Mexico with so many journalists lost their lives. They thought their phones were secure because they were using iPhones. They were not. That was part of Israel's uh, technology. Uh, We see um, that with the destabilization of Libya, the tremendous impact it's had on the last decade on the Sahel region of Africa, as well as global warming and the incredible number of environmental refugees and they will continue to be even more environmental refugees as well as economic and political refugees attempting to move to the global north. You saw China sanction three of its own corporations for its mining practices in Africa, while 85 uh, U.S. corporations have had um, illegal or unethical mining practices, and nothing has been published or mentioned about it in the United States. 
So uh, this is a real time for political struggle. Um, we see, as Brother Moses and the other analysts talked about, uh, the uh, genocide in Palestine. We also see the tremendous amount of money that the U.S. and Great Britain, as well as the EU, has invested in the Russian conflict between the Ukraine and, and, and Russia. And to see an old city like Odessa about it fall, if it falls, become a part of a new nation. We see how the world changes, changing, and how little people understand about geography. And uh, we're talking about uh, a, a wall separating the United States uh, from the rest of the world, while Mexico also struggles with the refugee problem. It's not only the United States. The global warming and the economic crisis, the U.S. sanctions against Venezuela and other countries and Cuba have a tremendous impact. They force people to leave their countries not because of any other reason than the sanctions themselves. They contribute to the death, premature deaths of persons simply because they're unable to receive medicines, construction supplies, fuel, and other things that are needed for daily living. And we've seen what happened in Afghanistan after 20 years. The Afghanis still have no electricity. The Taliban has taken over, and we continue to um, invade and, uh, Africa. We see that in Niger, uh, the U.S. One minute, The U.S. has its largest drone site next to the French military site. And that's to protect the European and U.S. interests in Africa. And their interest is in natural resources. And uh, we saw that um, the president of Ghana, as well as uh, Kenya and South Africa, speak out, say that this will change starting now in 2023. And I expect to see tremendous changes with the BRIC and others in 2024. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Africa on the Moon. We discuss events and struggles of year 2023. We invite you to join us by dialing 323-679-0841. Hit 1. At this point in time, we're going to take a rubbish culture break, and when we come back, we will continue the discussion. This is Brother Africa, and you are listening to Africa on the Move. That's a, That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. I'm all about peace and 
It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Calling him a terrorist. Okay, one nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Lumumba was democracy. Mossadegh. Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that mm-hmm. is music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure. After you divorce yourself from the right wing propaganda campaign, it's all simple and plain. America can stand the game. Your president got an African name. Now who you gon' blame when they drop the bombs out of them planes? Using depleted uranium, babies looking like two-headed aliens. Follow the money trail that leads to the criminal, and nothing subliminal to it. That's how they do it. See the game they run. Give a fuck who's cutting, articulate and handsome. Afghanistan held for ransom by the hand of this black man. Colonial puppet, white power with a black face. He said, Fuck it, I'll do it. A master of the sky, expert at telling lies. Then they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Should have known he was trained in Chicago. Where the chairman Fred and Mark talk. What they do in the dark will come out in the light. Like a WikiLeaks site. So I guess the crew was right. Who's ready to fight? Last thing to imperialism. I ain't kidding. In the immortal words of Marvin Gates, this ain't living.
Jonah was getting bomb, Obama didn't say shoot. The Jonas brothers are here. They're out there somewhere. Sasha and Malia are huge fans. But uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. <laughs> you will never see it coming. You think I'm joking? Some kind of disrespect, some kind of um, grudging to 
hey, African quarterback, they are too valuable, not too worth. Even with you, Dave, Lamar Jackson threw five touchdowns that destroyed one of the best teams in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, and they still don't want to give him his acknowledgement that he should be uh, the MVP. So that's in football. Let's look at what's going on in the world of entertainment. You got well-known first-class actress as with, with, uh, Viola Davis, Roger P. Henson, and Monique. All of them are talking about how they are devalued. They don't get paid their um, value for jobs that they do. And more particularly, though, they also are highlighting not only those Europeans who are in power that are doing that to them, but their own brothers and sisters are doing that to them, such as Oprah Winfrey and um, Lee Daniels. And what's that boy do those comedian stories in Atlanta? Um, he got his own studio, Tyler Perry. They have put Tyler Perry, Oprah Lee Daniels, they have put all these so-called African producers and government, you know, um, entities on blast because they said they refuse to pay them anything near the value of their work. When it comes to them, they either they won't have the money, but when it comes to hiring European actresses, they get well paid. So panelists, I think that's a, that's a thing, an ongoing thing for 2023 is that African people, again, as professionals, are not valued. And even those who have money don't value their own kind. So I'd like to each one of y'all position on that, because to me, that's another aspect of neocolonialism. But they allow a few Africans to arrive at the top for the act and treat their own kind just like their person. Your response, Brother Haki. Yeah, well, first of all, let me just say happy birthday, Brother Anthony. Well, you know, Brother Africa, you know, uh, you know, the thing is that, you know, you know, we have to understand that, you know, racism is pervasive. I mean, it permeates every looking clan in society. And we shouldn't be surprised. You have a situation where, where fundamentally people believe the superiority of skin color. And because you have an education system that sort of reinforces the superiority of skin color, uh, uh, people tend to believe in the fact that skin color defines, defines intelligence. And so in that regard, one's worth is dependent upon one's skin color. So to the extent that people have internalized this erroneous notion in terms of, in terms of you know, skin color uh, being, being uh, representative of something, uh, it speaks to the terms of, it, it speaks to the value in terms of you know the, the, the value placed upon lives based upon people's skin color. So I don't think we should be surprised at that. There is this tacit agreement or, or belief that in fact that when you start talking about intelligence level as it relates to quarterbacks, uh, the history of the NFL has always been that somehow you know that uh, African people simply not up to par in terms of being of being uh, quarterbacks. So, so the thing is that we have to understand that if we somehow think that somehow that mindset had dissipated, then we're sadly mistaken. It's very much part and parcel of the American experience. Increasingly, it's becoming part and parcel of the European experience. Uh, so the thing is that I think we have to understand that, you know, that, you know, we as a people have to fundamentally understand the nature of the beast in terms of this, this mindset, this propensity in terms of, you know, uh, you know, how we treat it based upon skin color. We, we have to roll up our sleeves and do the kind of real work in terms of critiquing 
a lot of uh, the stuff that goes on in society in a way in which it's thought-provoking and, and also, at the same token, able to galvanize larger and larger number of people in terms of, you know, essentially putting an end to these kind of practices. Now, you alluded to this question in terms of African people themselves who have internalized certain values in terms of how they treat other African people. Well, see, part and parcel of of racism is this notion in terms of the internalization of one's inferiority. So if you as an African person has internalized your inferiority, then, of course, you tend to gravitate toward those values that are exhibited by the ruling class under the presumption that, what they have to, what they stand for, what they, what they, what they view as important, is also important to you, and that it also has relevance. And so, therefore, we have to understand that that is a fact of life in terms of, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of life. Uh, so, when we when we confront this reality, you know, one of the we have to understand that fundamentally, if we don't create institutions in terms of combating this this mindset, and I'm not talking about in terms of trying to win over people in terms of you know, trying to get them to change their mindset. Because the bottom line is that for a lot of reasons, people are, are hesitant or have a very difficult time in terms of just empathy, in terms of being concerned about other people. In that regard, I think it's coming upon African people to realize that <clears throat> what, is, what is important is that we create organizations and institutions for ourselves in terms of empowering uh, or get that empowering message to our children so that they're less beholden to the power of this kind of mystique, which 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 defines uh, certain skin color as desirable or more intelligent relative to other darker skin colors. Also, so it seems to me, <coughs> so it seems to me that's the work that has to be done. I don't think that you know, uh, you know, for us to acknowledge in fact that the racism is is is, is pervasive in sports, it's going to make one one dent, one iota of a dent in terms of ending racism in sports. It's not going to happen. Uh, in fact, when you sit down and you listen to the broadcasters ter- or the sportcasters in terms of their analysis in terms of the players, uh, the same old cliches that existed when you and I were, were, were kids is the same cliches that exist now. In other words, when they characterize African athletes, it's never in terms of their intelligence, their brilliance, or their adaptivity, or, or none of that. It's always it's, it's for, for African athletes, it's more about in terms of their athletic powers, and that's it. When, when you talk about white, white athletes, it's always about their intelligence, their creativity, their ability, adaptivity. And so, so we understand that that is just part and parcel in terms of people internalizing this way of life, you know, in the context of, of American society. And so having said that, we have to understand that that is not going anywhere. And so for to hear that, those kind of disparaging remarks as it pertains to African, African athletes, or when you look at the kind of male treatment that African athletes experience, by virtue of simply being an African person, then I think that we, at this point in the ballgame, we should fundamentally understand that this is just part and parcel in terms of what it is to be in America. And as such, that we owe it to ourselves to create the institutions and conditions uh, to protect our children's emotional, psychological, intellectual uh, capabilities by providing information for our children to fortify them against those kinds of attacks or those kinds of slights uh, that, are, that, are, that are manifest all the time in the society. So with that, Brother Africa, I'll simply conclude. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Your response, Brother Anthony. Are you there, Brother Anthony? While we wait for Brother Anthony, uh, let's go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, your response. 
Yeah. Um, we're talking about um. Brother Moses, I raised the fundamental issue of the 2023 that seemed to be a Definitely a highlight. Highlight right. the, the, the concept yeah, of, of, of white supremacy. I, I remember the um, um, the the racism within the sports and the the uh, acting community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I believe hockey hit the nail on the head. I mean, like uh, it exists. It's always existed. It's going to continue to exist until until there's a revolution uh, that gives takes the the fundamental basis of, of it out from in underneath it and uh liquidates the the forces that um that perpetuate racism and and sexism and classism. Um that means we have to have the state, we have to have control of the state, the government. That's the that's the where everything emanates from. Uh politics determines economics always has and always will. And so until we address the politics of the and get to the to the government and control of the government as a vital um uh organization that perpetuates uh and reproduces itself. And so if we have a socialist government it will reproduce socialist values. We have a capitalist government that's gonna reproduce capitalist values and that's what we're faced with. The the Cultural uh, culture is uh, part of the superstructure um, based upon the economic base, and uh, and the economic base is capitalism, and the and the superstructure reflects that. Um, the the sports industry, the the uh, entertainment industry, all is part of the superstructure, and uh, it, it has a certain life of its own, and, and to some extent, but but it. It, it, on the surface, it seems that way, but ultimately, it's, it's determined by the political economy and the the, the government uh, apparatus is the real critical organization that determines what values are perpetuated in society. And the ruling class value is always the dominant value in any society. So we're fighting a, a war where we have to patiently explain to people what's going on and why it's going on and um, convince them that we are the correct path and we are the way to go and that we have to win the hearts and minds of the people because we're up against capital. They got money. They got organization. They got money. And uh, right now, the the real capitalists are after money and land. That's finance, capital, money and land. That's what Israel Israel is all about: expansion of money and land, money and land. There is no other uh, higher moral authority uh, anywhere to be found. And uh, and so I'll just leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Moses. Your thoughts, Sister Eleanor. One moment. While we wait for Sister Elgore, that's us to ask you back. Anthony, are you there? I think we have lost Anthony for the night. So let's move to Sister Eleanor, coming back to Sister Eleanor. 
Well, know your thoughts. In terms of sports and in terms of, I agree with Brother um, Africa. I agree with Brother Anthony and uh, Brother IT. But I want you to realize that it's not so much race as it is race and nationality. The behavior and the treatment of African Americans is very distinct from uh, often from other uh, ethnic, other Africans in the Americas uh, or other Africans in the United States. And that we should keep in mind. And since the African Americans uh, male plays such a big role in the NFL, of course, you see uh, slavery or the old chattel slavery at its height. Um, they must, one, serve five years before they become eligible for full medical benefits and uh, their lives are not valued. But it has more to do with being a descendant of a chattel slavery society rather than just being of African descent. I think there are other elements uh, besides uh, just African descent. And that's uh, what I would say uh, about that. And uh, you you see it not only in the NFL, you see it also in that uh, National Basketball League as well. Thank, Thank you, you, Sister Eleanor. Panelists, next screen your thought that seems to have gone throughout the year 2023. Is the whole notion or idea that there are certain sectors in society, there are certain powers in society, they have made decisions to just totally wipe out African history. There are no need to learn African history and continue to reduce and learn it. Y'all thoughts on that, Brother Haki? Yeah, well, of course, if 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 you destroy the history uh, you destroy any basis in terms of discourse. In other words, uh, discussions around those, the, 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 the pivotal change that's so needed in the society, uh, by destroying the history, you negate any opportunity in terms of the kind of discussions in terms of pushing the society forward, which is precisely what they want. Uh, and more importantly, I think you create a more pliable population. I think for African people who don't know that history, uh, when you when you think about it in terms of the kind of propaganda that permeates the society, the kind of disinformation that's pretty much a part and parcel in terms of the American experience, when you think about this this, this social con- social reality, and so you got a situation where African people don't understand the history, then we can certainly conclude that the impact psychological impact on African people is going to be that much more worse. And of course, we we call upon African people to make sure that their children understand the history. Uh, so even if they decided for political reasons that they're going to negate African history, then it does it should negate us in terms of making sure that our children understand the history. And so there's nothing stopping us other than us in terms of in terms of creating that reality. But I think just in terms of when when you start talking about in terms of politics, one of the things, uh, you know, when you start talking about the role of of, of propaganda, uh, you know, in society. Uh, nothing is more powerful than this notion in terms of you know uh, you know the the, the the greatness of Western culture and that all other, and all other cultures are subservient. 
uh, of course, if you destroy the history, then you certainly you can make that claim, and there is no there's no way in terms of conceivably uh, checking that 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 point of view. Because if you don't know the history, then you tend to believe, in fact, that what you're told is, in fact, true. And keep in mind, so when we talk about the terms of the propensity of African children uh, to watch television, we got to understand that the message in terms of this notion in terms of Western superiority gets reinforced over and over again because, because of the abundance in terms of TV watching. I understand TV is a very powerful tool in terms of the babysitter. But the bottom line, we, we also have to understand that just in terms of psychological impact on our children, the impact is devastating. And so, therefore, we certainly it's much easier said than done, but certainly one thing you've got to try to figure out is to minimize the exposure in terms of African children to television. Uh, that's much easier said than done, particularly when you're on a fixed income and, you know, you're struggling to make ends meet from day to day. Uh, certainly you don't have the kind of disposition in terms of dealing with a lot of stress, you know, if you're just trying to deal with from day to day. In that context, the children suffer because, you don't have the kind of time or the kind of resources in terms of dedicating toward the children to expose them to different kinds of things in terms of, you know, um, that's going to lead toward uh, empowerment uh, for the children. Uh, but clearly, brother, I, I think that so when, we, when it, so when we talk about these, these politicians eliminate African history under the guise that to eliminate African history is to, to eliminate sorrow, anxiety, and regret among the white population, I find that laughable. Uh, one of the things that when you start talking about the flow of history, history is what it is, uh, and the fact that somehow that it, it that it, it that it uh, it makes you feel sad, or it makes it or increase anxiety, or it or paints a picture which you don't necessarily want to to perpetuate, uh, is I mean I I I understand that in terms of just from a from a personal point of view in terms of, you know uh you know certainly when you start talking about things that tend to be uh, uh, overly critical, you tend not to want to deal with them, and that's that's kind of a a human a, a human tendency. But I think just in terms of history, in the, particularly in the context of America, if you don't confront this, this history in terms of this very traumatic history, and understand, make the connection between what happened in the past was, versus what's currently going on, then that's all conceivable, conceivable to change the, the change the, the paradigm. And, and the reality is that for them. They don't want to change the paradigm. So for them to change the history or to destroy the history is to ensure that paradigm or that racist that 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 racist uh, uh, that racist history uh, to to continue to enjoy some type of legitimacy, and that's precisely what they're doing. So it's a come upon us again, brother Africa, in terms of making sure that we teach our children a history. And 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 the bottom line is that you know people who 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 those racists who side with the elimination of African history. Understand that at least they perceive in their interest in terms of destroying African history, because if you destroy the African history, there's no means in which to critique the behavior of the majority, you know, in the society. And so I think for for from their from their from all practical purposes, from their perspective, uh, that is a good thing. And I'll close with that. Thank you, brother Nike. Brother Moses, your thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, history is history, and um. You know, it can only serve the past. The past can only serve the present and the future. And so we want to learn from history and use it uh, as as a tool and an ideological uh, summation of the experiences taken in its general aspects so that we have a guide to action of where we need to be going and what we need to be doing. And so, you know, 
uh, critical race theory. If you're white, you're right. If you're brown, stick around. If you're black, get back. That's the fundamental race theory that operates in the U.S. of A. And um, because we, because people are operating on sight, on sight and uh, traditions and prejudices, and they haven't freed themselves from mental slavery. And uh, we need to struggle and study, study, study. Uh, if we study, um, we will turn ourselves into communists and uh, and also we will know that uh, you got to pay the cost to be the boss and Jesus paid the cost. That's why he's the boss. And so um, that's that's the critical thing we need to understand. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Albemarle, your thoughts? Sister Albemarle. Yes, Brother Africa. Your thoughts on Brother what Africa. about African history? What history? African history in this country, the movement that there need to be no African history to learn and to remember. What do you think about that, Sister Eleanor? Well, the reality is, is without African history, there will be no American history, and it's going to backfire for all of America. Because what happens to the Africans and the descendants of chattel slavery begins to happen to all of America? And we should, America should have learned that by now. And the reality, if you want to uh, follow the economic development of the United States, um, the agricultural development, uh, as well as the political development, you must learn African history. And you must, uh, a part of that history is learning the history of indigenous people. Right now, uh, people who study African studies and African women's studies have to often, um, well, they do part of it in Spain, but they also have to go to other Central and South American countries. For example, you see Africa in the music of Central and Latin America, whereas the drum was forbidden here in the United States. So in order for us to maintain some awareness of the uh, American history, African history must be taught. You see from the uh, first colonial settlement from, from Jamestown and then Virginia, no one survived but the Africans. You see uh, in Florida, the uh, amalgamation of the indigenous and African people to resist colonialism. You see during the Revolutionary War, Chris Chris Adams, the first person to lose his life in the fight against the British and Africans. So if we want to know American history, we will have to study black history. And as one of the musical segments that you played said, 
It mentioned Carter G. Woodson's book, The Miseducation of the Negro. So uh, we're having a struggle with Africans reading this book themselves, and it's only a couple hundred pages. But it is, if we want to understand the history of the United States of America and of the Americas, we must understand African history. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. What we're going to do, we're going to take a rubbishing break, and when we come back, we'll ask you one other question as it relates to this year, 2023, and we'll be closing out our program for the new year, 2023, to bring me in 2024. This is Brother Africa, and you're listening to Africa on the Move. We all agree tonight, all of the speakers have agreed that America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our people have a very serious problem. America's problem is... Stop this, stop this shit. Yeah, stop this, stop this shit. 
that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards under Europe or European. You will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans, the only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negroes. Yes, welcome back to Africa on the Moon. We're discussing Tonight, Events and Struggles of the year 2023. We'd like to close out this particular event with this with a message as it relates to this question I will raise with my political analysts and panelists. Something that's very interesting and peculiar in terms of is this a possibility or a trend or something we can expect in the future as we look at this genocide the genocide process that is taking place in Palestine as a force called the United State of Israel and their ability to genocide a group of people in the whole world in front of the eyes of the whole world and there seems to be no stopping. If a force that small can make and deliver those kind of forms of genocidal uh, oppression to a people, who's to say what to stop other forces that are more powerful than them, i.e. the U.S.? Or if the U.S. decides, government decides to do something like that to wipe out African people in the U.S. or any other people of non-European as well, who is available to stop them? No response, Brother Haki. Yeah, well, Brother Africa, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I, I think once you start talking about term these these genocidal uh, impulses. Uh, we understand it has potential to, to spread. And you're right. When you talk about relatively small state, you know, carrying out the wholesale destruction of, you know, tens of thousands of people and not a, not a, not a response, uh, not at least not a unified response from the world, then clearly, you know, then if a small state can get away with carrying out these atrocities, then certainly one who's much more powerful, much one who, who bigger, much more wealthier, certainly can carry out genocide and certainly in terms of being able to block out any messages critical in terms of that genocidal process 
uh, becomes a reality. I think that, you know, one of the things is that, you know, uh, you know uh, when we talk about in terms of the atrocities being a design that's inflicted upon the Palestinian people, you know, in Palestine, I think one of the things you have to consider, you know, is that they're getting a tremendous amount of support you know, from the United States. And it's ironic that, you know, the more the more money, the more weapons that the U.S., you know, send to Israel, the greater the level of destruction imposed upon the Palestinian people. So from that, should we conclude that, in fact, that the U.S. embraces the, 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 the genocide against the Palestinian people? Now, what I find ironic is that when you start talking about in terms of Palestinian people, basically, you know, Muslim, Muslim people uh, who practice Islam, when you think about in terms of genocide being practiced against them in the, in, the, in, the, in the relative silence of the so-called Muslim world right there and right next on the border of, 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 uh, of, uh, of, 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 of uh, Palestine, when you think about that, that tendency in terms of this quietness uh, that is being uh, projected by these so-called Muslim states, then one has one has has to ask himself, you know, precisely what are the, what are these Muslims or practitioners of Islam? What are they what are they thinking in terms of as this as this evil unveiled? Uh, it seems to me on a very fundamental level in terms of your brothers and sisters. I mean, the kind of trust is being impacted on the Palestinian people should evoke a response from the Muslim world. I mean, there have been some response in terms of, you know, Syrians, you know, Iranians. Iraqis, you know, in terms of their their, their, their uh, dissatisfaction in terms of what's going on, but I think it's just in terms of the broader Muslim world, in terms of uh, adequate response, in terms of putting an end to these kind of atrocities. I find ironic that you know you simply don't have these kind of forces willing, you know, to work together in terms of putting an end to this kind of mass suffering and mass killing of Palestinian people who happen to be, by and large happen to be uh, Muslim people. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, you know, uh, you know, the, the question that you raise is a very good one. And the, the bottom line is that if the Zionist regime of Israel can get away with this, uh, this mass atrocity in the 21st century, you know, in the midst of the world, then clearly a much, a much, a much greater power like the United States and certainly can carry out genocide. And the and the response is going to be particularly, uh, particularly muted, in turn from the um, from the world, which means that it's going to encourage more, more, more genocide. And that in itself, I think, uh, speaks values in terms of the real threat humanity is faced with when we talk about, you know, the the tendency of these states to carry out genocide and, in fact, for the world to embrace these genocidal impulses. So clearly, Brother Africa is all very, very problematic, and uh, we really should think twice about what we're going to do in terms of putting the end to the Zionist uh, um, genocide against the Palestinian people. And I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Brother Moses, seeing this genocidal process we see that's going on in Palestine yeah. in the future, can that take place in in other places by more powerful forces? I.e., what if the U.S. government decided to do that internally to African people? Do you see that as a possibility? No response, Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, thank you. First of all, we have to do a concrete analysis of concrete conditions. We can't just use ideas and sentiments and feelings. Um, we got to do scientifically look at the situation. And right now, in the situation is the world is protesting the situation in Palestine. The whole world is up in arms. There were three to five hundred thousand, depending on who you talk to, people in November in D.C. The press didn't cover it. 
there will be peak of me, I don't know how many people coming on the 13th. The world is up in arms against Israel, and and um, and that and that consciousness is um, relevant to us as black people, as Africans, or whatever. Um, um, we we have to be conscious that um, the world is not against us um, right now. The George Floyd demonstrations. We have to see the revolutionary situation we are faced with. We're in a revolutionary situation. We're not in some, I mean, obviously, Make America Great, the magma movement is there, it's real, and it's very uh, real, but, but they're not, it's more of us than there is of them, and we just got to be organized and, uh, and not show confusion, fears, false evidence appearing real, false evidence appearing real. Like you know, the threat of uh, some kind of uh, I don't know annihilation of black people by white people is is uh, is always I guess some kind of possibility. But uh, if you look at concrete situation, I don't think that's the main threat in the U.S. of A today. And um, that's my opinion anyway. So thank you. Thank you, brother Moses. Sister Eldor, your thoughts. Uh, what else is that um, I first want to say to Brother Anthony, happy birthday, Brother Anthony. Happy birthday to you. And the question was, um, the question, I'm sorry, uh, there was some noise in the background. What was the question, Brother Africa? What's taking place in the genocidal process is taking place in Palestine. I'm sorry, it's for the whole world to see. It seems like no one can stop it. Can this happen in the future? The other group of the people by forces that are more powerful than the United States of Israel? Yes. If the world does not manage to fight back and uh, stop this genocidal massacre in Israel, we will continue to see it happen other places throughout the world. And um, the thing is, in the United States of America, the media ignores and gives so much misinformation, and it presents the Maasai, the uh, Hamas, as if they are the Palestinian people, and it ignores the tremendous genocide that's going on. But the world is not ignoring it because the U.S. media is ignoring it. It doesn't matter. You see numerous countries in the global south, such as Brazil, and you see China, you see many Asian countries, and you saw several African countries abstain from participation. And you saw how racist the Zionists are with their water project in Senegal when Senegal refused to vote in the support of their behavior towards the Palestinians. They immediately withdrew from Senegal and their water works project. So really, you see throughout the United States, as you did uh, two summers ago with the murderous behavior of the police in the United States. You see 
millions of people marching in solidarity with the Palestinians, millions of people marching against one thing, and that is genocide, a killing of a group of people. Now, we saw it during the Yugoslavian split up when uh, uh, Tito Yugoslavia became three countries, Croatia and three different countries, but it was nothing compared to the, what we're seeing in Palestine, the number of children, the thousands of children that, that have been murdered, the thousands of elderly people and women, and the number of pregnant persons, and then the annihilation, and Israel has such exact equipment, military equipment, until they know that they destroyed all these hospitals. They know they destroyed 20-some hospitals. They know they destroyed so many schools. They know they destroyed these high-rise apartment buildings. Now, they're alleging that Hamas is in these tunnels, but the tunnels were built by the Zionists. And it's certainly not the Palestinian people who find refuge in these tunnels. They are being told to move south, and immediately as they move south, we saw them on the BBC News and on the German network being annihilated. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. And I do believe that we are going to see a pushback now, the U.S. media, the New York Times, alleges that during the month of January, you're going to see a pushback from the Biden administration to stop the civilian killings. One minute, One minute. Because of the upcoming election. But if that's the only thing that's going to move President Biden backwards, back to being a, a human being and, and standing up, against the genocide, we're in big, big trouble. But the rest of the world is not standing still on every continent, except for, I guess, Antarctica, people are demonstrating. And for all I know, the scientists in Antarctica are standing in solidarity with the Palestinian people. So we will see change. Thank you, my sister. Well, we have come to the end of time for this particular program on the last day of 2023, 31st, as we have discussed events and struggles of the year 2023. We ask each and every one of our political panelists and analysts to make their final thoughts for the night and to limit limit their thoughts to two minutes or less. So your final thoughts for the night, Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Like I said, you got to pay the cost to be the boss, and Jesus paid the cost, and so that's why he's he's my boss. Uh, and so I I um I think you know like the struggle for freedom and liberation and and um, justice and fair play 
is a protracted struggle that everybody's engaged in. Everybody's a, a revolutionary. Everybody's for freedom. Everybody's for liberation. You know, Netanyahu is for freedom and liberation, and he's going to free the Jews, and then after he frees the Jews, he's going to free black people and um, in Africa and stuff. And, you know, this is the rhetoric. And so but sooner or later we have to judge people by dialectical and historical materialism, by words and deeds, what their words say and what their deeds do and where they're coming from and where they're going. And so we can't be distracted by um, confusion. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so I I just say, um, you know, we got to be focused on what's real, what's real. And I'll leave it right there. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, your final thought, two minutes or less. The mic is yours. Yes, Sister Eleanor. Yes. Um, I just your final thought, uh, two minutes or less. My final thought, um, I stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people and the oppressed people of the world and the people across the Sahel of uh, West Africa, the environmental refugees. And I stand for liberation. And uh, we hope that we will, uh, we know, and I know that we will see a change. Colonialism will fall. Uh, we know that uh, Israel cannot liberate, do this genocide and allege to be liberating Africa. Africa will liberate itself. African people will stand in solidarity. Every African everywhere will begin to know Hamed Sekouture's name. They'll understand the role that China and Cuba played in fighting colonialism in Africa. They'll begin to learn that Shea Chavera was there fighting for the first African country in Africa to be liberated, which was Guinea. So with that, I say to everyone, uh, farewell to 2023. Thank you for allowing me to participate in this evening's forum. And uh, Happy New Year. Thank you, my sister. Brother Haki, your final thoughts for tonight? Yeah, well, I I don't think we should be under any illusions, uh, delusions in terms of uh, just how difficult, you know, uh, the future holds. Uh, One of the things, you know, when we talk about, you know, the state of the economy, we can't dismiss the poor shape of U.S. banks. In fact, one of the contributing factors in terms of the decline of U.S. banks has a lot to do in terms of the big nations in particular, you know, getting rid of the dollar. And as this trend in terms of getting rid of the dollar grows throughout the world, certainly the indebtedness or the kind of uh, poverty uh, the U.S. has never known is increasingly becoming a fact of life. Uh, and given that reality, then, you know, as, 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 as people in the society, one thing we understand is that, you know, because the capitalists are committed, you know, to the capitalist class, uh, when it comes in terms of sharing wealth, one of the things that we've very clear on, the notion of sharing is simply out of, que- out of the question. And so, therefore, because the, the notion of sharing is out of the question, it means that the capitalists got no other recourse but to become more vicious, uh, more, uh, more abusive, uh, much more uh, uh, cunning in terms of trying to, to maintain, you know, uh, power, 
you know, at, at, at any uh, by any means. Uh, and given that reality, I think one of the things that we talk about in oppressed people in society, and we talk about in terms of disproportionately in terms of the government's propensity to eliminate social spending, when we talk about in terms of elimination of public school money for public schools, when we talk about elimination of affordable housing, all of the issues that adversely impact humanity, when we talk about these kind of things being on the brink, then we've got to clearly understand that they're making a statement, and that statement is that the lives of the people doesn't matter. And so in that regard, if the lives of the people don't matter, how you go about killing them becomes irrelevant, which, which brings us back to the question in terms of the possibility of terms of uh, genocide, you know, uh, happening in the, in, the, in the borders of North America. Make no mistake about it, when we talk about the mega movement, we're talking about people who are very much embracing, you know, this notion in terms of, uh, in terms of genocide as a means in terms of maintaining power and control. Uh, so having said that, Brother Africa, I think, you know, it's incumbent upon our people, you know, that, you know, we have to truly unravel the matrix because if we're not going to take the time to understand the nature of the beast, then the bottom line is that, you know, no amount of praying is going to change the high reality that's coming our way. We have to create those institutions, those organizations, which clearly identify what the issues are and to move, to gravitate toward, Solutions to those those problems that we that we that we find uh, that permeates the society. With that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. Thank you, Brother Haki. What I would like to say is that we also tell the listening audience that we understand that Pan Africanism is the key. It will set all Africans free. These problems that African people are facing globally cannot be solved by themselves independently particularly no microstate. They don't have the means, the resources, and the material to fight Western nations, nations. But what I would like to do is to share some thoughts that we should try to carry forward in the year 2024 from some of our ancestors that will maybe help us go further down the line. And one of the thoughts we need to grab around and solve and work towards comes from one of the messages that Brother Kwame, that Brother Kwame and Kruman left us when he stated, how can there be a nation without political power? Is it a contradiction in terms the black nation can only come into existence when Africa is totally free and, and all African Union government has been formed, i.e., when the black man and woman is masters in their own house. That was a statement and lesson by the Kwame Nkrumah left us. Also, we'd like to remind you of a statement from Bob Marley, where he stated that the people who were making the world worse are not taking a day off. Why should I? And last not least, Brother Malcolm X stated, only a fool will let an enemy teach his children. On those thoughts, let's take that forward to 2024 and use it as a foundation to have a better year, continue to push our people forward, and fight for a unified, liberated, socialist Africa. Until next time, next week, same time, same station, 7 p.m., you're listening to Africa on the Moon, 
and we'll leave you with some sounds of sweet liberation. Again, we too say Happy New Year's to all of the people of the world. Until next time, like always, this is Brother Africa. This is Africa on the Move. You're going to stand in the seat. You're going to take the heat. As you define it, you're going to stand behind it. We may not give you what you want, but we do our best to give you give you what you need. We will give you our best because you deserve the best. Until next time, let's continue to describe the forward album, backwards novel. This has been Africa on the Move. Mama Africa is not free, oh free. 
Ropa 